0: Hey, welcome back to the Hancock and Kelly show. There's no Hancock here. I'm substituting one of my best friends for another best friend. It's none other than Megan Shackelford joining me in studio. And uh, also, we are joined by the billionaire philanthropist and businessman that lives right here in St. Louis. You blush when I say that, Rex Singfeld. Why is that? Oh, I'm easily embarrassed. (laughs) Are you? How are you? It's been a long time since we've seen you here on The Voice
1: of St. Louis. I know. it is. It's way too long, but I'm
0: fine. And you're just jet setting back from uh, From New York City. What's a conservative guy like you doing in the most liberal city in America?
1: Well, you know, I had to take a shower going in and coming out. (laughs) 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 What were you up there for? Up there for the U.S. Open.
0: Did and did you see who you? We watched Djokovic. Was it? Was he good?
1: He was. Yeah, six four six one six one. He was good.
0: And you had a beautiful night of weather for it as well. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, New York is uh, – I was up at New York in the same time that you were, and it was yeah. downright chilly. felt bad uh, seeing, you know, the people are in 100-degree weather here in St. Louis, right? I yeah. bet you didn't feel Not bad. anymore, they aren't. Yeah, exactly. Well, welcome back to KMOX. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, People know you because you've had such a huge impact on Missouri uh, politically. And before we kind of get into the index funds, which is celebrating a huge anniversary, something right. you invented – Uh, I wanted to find out what what's Rex Singfeld up to these days? You've always while you and I may disagree often on political policy, the thing that I've appreciated about you the most is you're well-intentioned and that you want to see St. Louis survive, grow and be what it could be and what it has been in the past. Right.
1: So how are you uh, manifesting that these days? Well, we're working on our continued public policy initiatives throughout the state and the city. In the state, the big one, of course, and many other states are getting into the act, so we have to go along with them, is cutting state personal income taxes. Surrounding states, Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Iowa, they've all trimmed their taxes, and we better get serious or we're going to be left in the dust.
0: And when we see the migration of people in our country, yeah, there, it's, it there. Undoubt, it's undoubted that they, people are moving to states people. where there's less tax. Now,
2: That's right. folks
0: on my side of the aisle, Rex would argue to you, they're also going for weather and some of that other stuff. But you're saying, no, this is a core value of why people are leaving.
1: Yeah, it's a big incentive. And you, I like really comparing Tennessee to Missouri because we have the same weather, the same climate, the same topography. Everything's the same, except they're growing like a weed. And we are not, and they do not have an income tax. Why don't they? They got rid of it many years ago. It's per constitutional amendment, so it's not coming back. And how did they? How did they supplement or replace that they revenue? Use sales taxes and and property taxes, basically. Good.
0: All right. And then we also know that you've are always focused on education and what's right. going on with education, population growth. You've you've worked in the past to say, hey, look, the governance system that we have in St. Louis. If you were studying a governance, this would be the last way that you would structure it, correct? That is true.
1: Very, very last
0: way. Yeah. (laughs) And you continue to throw money and invest your money in St. Louis and so many great causes. Uh, I know St. Louis U is proud to have you as (laughs) one of their largest supporters. Wow, that university is blowing up, man. What do you mean they're blowing up? Blowing up in a good way, meaning folks are are attracted to it. You're building buildings, the amount of property that's being taken, and that they're getting all these students. So this is a huge economic engine for St. Louis, isn't it? Internally,
1: what's happening, we are keeping the best faculty now, and we're hiring good ones, uh, which is really great for St. Louis U and the region. Perfect. You still playing chess every day? Yes, sir.
0: You play online or you play with somebody? I play online. What about a stooge like me who doesn't really play that often but would love to sit across here for a while? Would it, would, we like, would it even
1: be competitive or would it be over with after three moves? It, it wouldn't be competitive, but I probably <laughs> have things I need to make up for and, and, you know, say, go to confession for. So that would be equivalent. <laughs> <to it. laughs> Well, I I asked
0: you about chess because uh, we all are grateful for everything you've done with chess in St. Louis, and you've made it us the center of that, the investment that's taken place, kids doing chess in schools. It's so great, uh, and we're grateful to you. So you're in here today because 50 years ago you started the index funds.
1: That is true. What is an index fund? An index fund is a portfolio of securities that is tied or matches a particular or specific index. In this case, uh, I developed a portfolio in American National Bank of Chicago in, ni- in September fourth, nineteen seventy-three, that tracked the S and P five hundred portfolio. And the first thing I had to do for the summer, we launched in September fourth, which is like Monday, right? But I had to prove to them that with a sample of securities, like a hundred or hundred and ten securities, I could perfectly replicate the day-by-day performance of the S&P 500. So I spent the summer before reading all about, this is a hot topic, your your, your listeners are going to rush in here after this. Well, morning. our listeners have their money invested in it, whether know. they know it or not. So I read all about stratified random sampling, and you've heard people talking right. about that all the time. You're sitting at a bar and another guy says, hey, you read that book on <laughs> stratified random sampling? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to wait for the movie. So, but that's what I did that summer, I was able to demonstrate that, yeah, we could hit it perfectly every day. And they said, much to my surprise, the board of directors said, let's go. And so September 4th, we took an existing portfolio at American National Bank. It was a, a common fund for pension fund investors only. And we said our objective is the same. We're going to go for growth. But the way we're going to do it is by matching the index.
0: So, Rex, this is something that's in every aspect of our lives, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But when
1: when you said you were doing research for a
0: year, this is prior to the supercomputer doing all the trading and stuff. So were you sitting there with your green shades and a a ruler mapping this out? We had
1: a a desk-sized computer, a a CompuCorp 2000 computer that was the size of a desk, and it, it did a little more than add and subtract. So you could use it that way. Had it got punch cards and wrote out the computer programs. I need it and it would produce the output. And uh, then we did the statistics all summer just to show that this worked. And, and so
0: here you are, you come up with this idea, this concept, you prove it and in, uh, in a lab, if you will, mm-hmm. which, you know, coming out with this. Right now you got to go out and pitch it. Right. And the first person who gives you money, were you like, Oh, boy, this has got to work.
1: Now what do Uh, I do? Yeah, now what do I do? Well, we had a $30 million portfolio we were investing already. And about two weeks later, we started another portfolio for individuals if they had a trust account at American National. So we had both funds running. And then we started to go on the road and market it. And believe it or not, our first two clients, we were headquartered in Chicago. Our first two clients were McDonnell Douglas and the St. Louis Public School System. Wow, right? And they're both still clients 50 years later. Well, 40 years later after the forming of Dimensional Fund Advisors. Wow.
2: That's that's so fascinating. I think the invention of it and hearing how you led up to it is amazing. But at what point after you're out and selling this, did you realize this is going to change the way I we think, think, as think I started, about money? Make, as I started
1: making the arguments, I would leave these calls and I would say the other side, the opposition doesn't have a chance. Our arguments are so solid, theoretically and empirically, they were so solid they cannot be overcome. But it took us a while. We didn't get a major breakthrough. We started marketing this in September of 73. We didn't get a major breakthrough until April of 75. And that's when we got hired by at and the pension subsidiary, not at and New York Telephone. It was the largest Bell sub in the country at the time. They gave us $40 million and that opened the floodgates for us and for Wells Fargo, our competitor, and for State Street. They got into the act yeah, a few years later. That's
0: that's the question I was going to go to. So you have this idea. You suddenly are able to have proof of concept. Right. You're having yeah. these investments. Right. And uh, imitation is the best form of flattery. Yeah. Once everybody saw, hey, this this guy's got it all figured out, what happened? Everybody got into the game? No,
1: they didn't. It was just one or two. Wells Fargo was very good. They got into the game, but we were getting, we were bringing very little money in, but we were working hard. And I thought these calls are going to be successful at some point. They're just so impressive the way these people are reacting. And it it just, the floodgates opened in April to July of 75. And I used to say to people, you know, compared to the struggles we're having, John the Baptist had it easy, (laughs) you know, but, (laughs) but then the floodgates opened and we started bringing in, this is back in the 70s we started bringing in one billion dollars a year billion with a B
0: And what year, year was that? 73. Wow. Hey Rex, uh, you'll appreciate this. We have a stockholders here at KMOX too so we sell ads to you know pay for our stock are you right. will you be willing to sit through some of those ads and, and do another segment with us?
1: Do I have to? (laughs) We'd love for
0: you to do it. (laughs) He's Rex Sinkfeld. That's Megan Shackelford. I'm Michael Kelly. We'll step aside. We'll come back with Rex Sinkfeld after this right here on KMOX. Well, we can't do this show without you. It's Hancock and Kelly, Megan Shackelford in studio, sitting in for the vacationing. John Hancock happens all the time, Megan. All the time.
2: He's never here. Hello, Rex Singfeld. Thank you for being with us on Thank an important you. anniversary for you, you this weekend. Do you want to remind our listeners what this, this is big the 50th, anniversary?
1: Well, Monday will be the 50th anniversary of the starting of the first SP index fund in the galaxy.
2: Okay, so it's us the first one in the galaxy. Lay people may not quite understand even what you mean whenever you say that. But as Michael mentioned earlier, all of us are impacted by right. the index fund. So for someone like me. What does it mean for me that this index fund was created, and how is it impacting me now?
1: Okay, well, a lot of people's reaction is, yeah, I got a broker, I got a financial advisor, and and they they do kind of well, but it looks like they never quite match the index every year. And, And, in fact, that's a very valid observation. A substantial majority of stock pickers and market timers fail to keep up with the indexes year after year after year. And that was part of the overwhelming evidence. People said, you know what? When you're banging your head against the wall, if you stop, it feels good. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they did. They stopped doing it. And that's when they signed on. And now uh, the estimates are, and I think that uh, Higglesworth? Yep. Wigglesworth. The book Trillions, written by Robin
0: Wigglesworth, talks about how you started the index fund. I have a copy of it here.
1: And I think he gives an estimate of, 50% 50% of world assets are invested in index funds of various types.
0: So is it safe to say that if somebody out there has a 401k or maybe they're invested in their own company's uh, stock portfolios, that they likely have money in the index funds and It's, don't hi, it's it? highly
1: probable. Half the investments go into it these days.
0: So this book talks a lot about Warren Buffett, who's a big right. index fund person. Uh so here's a guy, uh one, a household name to all of us, right? right? Rex right. Singfeld is in St. Louis and in financial communities, but Warren Buffett's in, in
1: every home. Mm-hmm. He stole your idea and he tells people this is where they ought to be putting their money, didn't he? Actually, he didn't <laughs> steal the idea, he just endorses it. Uh-huh. And he does it widely in his annual report. He says, put your money in index funds. I tell everybody that you can't do what I Warren Buffett does, because he invests loads of time. And study in the investments he makes. And he usually is allowed to share inside information per some agreements that he makes. So he puts himself in a good position. He pays for it, but he puts himself in a good position. None of us have the time to do that. Right. Even if we had the assets, we don't have the time or the interest.
0: Rex, you probably make more money and in interest in a day than I will make in my lifetime uh, because you're not making of very what you're... Much, are you <laughs> Um, but, you know, like most Americans, we're in charge of our own money. We're investing right. in 401ks. We're buying stocks. So uh, put yourself back into the life that before you created the index fund. Should the everyday investor who's taking 10 and 15% of their money, should they go be going out and buying
1: Coke or no. Lay's potato chips? No, they shouldn't be fooling where, where around. Where should they be investing their money and Why? They should be going out and said, I'm going to buy the entire stock market. And that's literally what you do with an index fund. You buy the entire market, the good ones, the bad ones, the ugly ones, because you can't tell them apart ahead of time. Uh, But the end result is that portfolio is very efficient. It has the highest level of return for any given level of risk. And it's so easy to do. It costs one-tenth or two-tenths of 1% per year. That's it, total cost. For going into an index fund. And they're offered all over the place now. Yeah, and
0: people uh, right now in the world that we live in with phones that can rearrange satellites and stuff. Right. And the, in the old days, you'd go out and get a broker. Right. Uh, now you can do this online. If if you're a regular person, maybe making your eighty grand out there, you know, having right. to pay tuition and stuff and so many other things, would you recommend that people be investing their own money? Or
1: should they be seeking a professional to help them do it, a broker? Well, they can seek a professional financial advisor. But 90% of financial advisors would say you belong in an index fund. Most of your assets are just going to buy the entire stock market. And don't worry about anything else. The market will take care of itself. You'll share the returns. You'll share the losses. But over time, things are going to be very good.
0: There was an old infomercial on television back in the day where a guy was selling like a a microwave oven. And he would say to people, you take the, the, the meat, you put it in there, you set it. And you forget it. Is that what an investor should be doing no matter what? Once you put your money in there, don't mess with it. Don't play games. Don't try to outbeat the market. That's just let it get right. at 7
1: or 8%. Yes, just just do that. Your average return, history would suggest, is going to be about 9 or 10% a year. When did you
0: know uh, when you set up the index fund uh, you, Your proof of concept comes to fruition When in 1975. All of a sudden, the big boys are coming to the right. table with big money. When did you know I did it? Like this
1: crazy idea that I had actually has changed the world. Uh, I guess around 1975, when we really started to see the money coming in. And we saw some new competitors like Wells Fargo step up. And they were attracting a lot of money. Of course, they were a much bigger name than American National Bank of Chicago was. But we were each bringing in over a billion dollars a year. And I said, this is amazing. I said, this is just so simple. If people only knew how easy it is to set this up, to run one of these, to sell them, and eventually everybody found out. Did it, did
0: anybody ever come to try to steal you from the Bank of Chicago and say, yeah. "Wow, this uh, you you you're a little nerdy guy, you put this together, and you, that's what you called yourself in the uh, right. in the commercial." But <laughs> right. a group of nerdy guys put this thing together. Did anybody ever come to you and just yep. stack
1: the bills in front of you and say, "Why don't you walk away from this bank and let's go own the world together"? Yeah, he did, and and this particular guy offered me like, uh, this is back in seventy six, offered me two hundred and fifty thousand dollars up front and then a quarter of a million dollars a year guaranteed. And I said, you know, I'm not making a fraction of that, but I'm having so much fun here, and I'm fighting on the side of truth and beauty. I'm not leaving.
2: And that was the end of it. That's wonderful. That's a great, great end of the story. Um, So when you kept going with the bank you were at, eventually you did retire. What led you to eventually retire, and and how do you feel about that decision looking back? I left that
1: bank in 1981, because my then-future partner and former classmate, David Booth, from the University of Chicago, and Booth is also a KU guy, so he's got oh. some downside to him, as is Mary Ellen, my chief of staff. And me. She's a KU, and you're a KU Rock Chalk. You know, these, they you are know, like roaches, they're yeah. everywhere. Well, dyslexia <laughs> hits a lot of people. You can't help it. Yeah, you know? but that's it right. Is what it is. But so, so in 81, we started, and, and our, our first idea, both of us had the same idea, was to start basically an index fund of micro-cap companies. These were identified as, say, if you think of the uh, smallest 20% of companies on the New York Stock Exchange, it was any stock that was of that size group. And that turned out to be over 3,000 companies in the New York Exchange, the American, and the NASDAQ. And so we set that up, and our argument there to institutional investors was, look, it's clear, we can show you that this class of equities has higher average returns in the general market. We think it's simply because there's additional risk, but you get paid for it. But the real problem for you is you've got so much money. You don't know how to access this market. You can't hire active managers. If you buy higher two or three, you don't know how many stocks in that group they'll buy for you, but you should get your share. You should at least get 10%. That's the share of the market it is. And that made so much sense to them. And it was so easy. Wow. Any idea how much money or what percentage
0: of the money that's
1: in the markets now are in index funds? I would say, and I think uh, Higglesworth says, I think about a, half the investable assets in the world, certainly in the developed markets. That's incredible. Half the investable assets are in index funds.
0: Rex, we're about to run out of time, but I want to tell you something. Um, you're a, a, a staunch Republican uh, and a conservative activist. Um, and I disagree with you on on most public policy. And I've had the fortune of having dinner and lunch with you and right. you and I've gotten to talk politics. And you,
1: you have the right to be wrong. Yeah. and So do you. <laughs>
0: um, but I do want to thank you for what you do for St. Louis. Thank you. So many you. people have made their bones made their money, yeah. and have left here. And I have to tell you that maybe in another alternate life, I probably would have been the one of those people. Yeah. But you've continued to leaving. care about this community. <laughs> yeah. You've continued to fight for your principles. People can say what they want about you, but they can never question where your heart is, and that's with St. Louis, and thank you for that.
1: Thank you.